Digestive disease is a major cost driver for employers. Abdominal pain is the top reason for ER admissions. GI conditions are the second biggest reason that people miss work. And the cost of care for a person with digestive disease is higher than for diabetes or treatment-resistant depression. Today's guest, Bill Snyder, is CEO of Vivante Health, which offers the GI Thrive Digital Gut Health Program that improves care and saves money. Vivanti must be doing something right because they just raised a $31 million Series B despite the tough funding environment. Hi, everyone. I'm David Williams, president of strategy consulting firm Health Business Group and host of the Health Biz Podcast, a weekly show where I interview top healthcare leaders about their lives and careers. If you like this show, please subscribe and leave a review. Bill, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. David, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's my great pleasure. So let's talk a little bit about your background, your upbringing, um, before we get into talking about what you're what you're doing today. You know, what was your childhood like, and any particular uh, childhood influences that have stuck with you through your career? Yeah, uh, really good question. So I was born in um, Carlisle, Massachusetts, but really grew up in New Jersey to uh, loving parents and had a great older brother and, and younger sister. And uh, my parents were big influences for me. Uh, they always focused on both health, so um, maintaining good physical and mental health, um, but but also uh, focusing on problem solving. So identifying big problems uh, and figuring out how to fix them was uh, kind of a, a big mantra in our household growing up. That sounds good. Now, how did you decide where to go to uh, to college, and what was that experience like? Yeah, I uh, so I went uh, from New Jersey to uh, to Nashville, Tennessee, to Vanderbilt uh, for uh, my undergraduate degree. And um, for me, it was I knew I wanted to go to uh, a top tier school that was competitive, but also had um, the opportunity to grow and take unique courses. And so that was uh, an easy decision for me with Vanderbilt. Uh, and I really liked their focus on healthcare uh, because that was always something that I was interested in from from an early age. And then, did you work for a while before going to Kellogg, or was that straight out of uh, college? I did. I worked for a while. I actually did the leadership rotational program at Humana right out of right out of uh, college, and so I was able to really understand the business of healthcare and got exposed to kind of all facets of healthcare. Um, and then went back to get my MBA at, at Kellogg, uh, and I did that on, on the weekends. Um, so I did that program while I was still working at Humana. Got it. I saw you were at Humana for a dozen years. So what was the progression like there? Yeah, um, Humana was a great organization to work with, uh, and um, I learned a lot. And for me, my big thing was I'll go wherever the, the opportunity was. So I moved a lot with them. I was in Louisville, Austin, Texas, Chicago, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Tennessee, back to Chicago, all with Humana. And which, which was great is I, I really got to see different aspects of the healthcare ecosystem um, and really developed a lot there and learned a lot about uh, things like working with providers, uh, things like thinking about the, the mind of the member and the consumer uh, and, and really trying to help fix healthcare. So you went from uh, H to V, but not straight to Vivante as I saw Verta somewhere in the middle. What was Verta? Yeah, so um, Verda uh, is a great organization um, who works uh, with individuals who suffer from uh, type 2 diabetes. Uh, and so they're um, now based in Denver, but we're based in San Francisco at the time. Um, and so I uh, went to that organization, was an early employee there and helped commercialize the solution and really spent a lot of time on the health plans and developing relationships with health plans and developing the products to work within the healthcare ecosystem. Um, and, uh, and so great, great team there who I still uh, keep in touch with today uh, who are doing great things. 
Oh, that's good. So then you were had, you know, like the big company, it's more of a startup, and then on to Vivante Health. And I wonder, um, how did you get interested in the, in the company? It was just a, uh, one of those LinkedIn things where the recruiter said that's like the perfect match and you get to go or how was, what was the evolution like? Yeah. So the, the evolution of the business is, is pretty unique. Um, I was, uh, recruited to a prior company, uh, from some, some investors, uh, and, um, I was very interested in the GI space from, uh, family members and friends who I had suffer, seen suffer from chronic digestive conditions. Um, and so, uh, I, I worked with this previous organization that was, uh, focused on digestive and also looking at a couple other areas. And, and we actually, uh, uh, I, I founded a new company in 2021 and bought out the assets of the previous company, Vivante. Uh, and so that was kind of the transition. So this is the, this new Vivante I founded in, in 2021. Um, but, uh, but the interest in the GI space had really been about the, the big scale, the problem, the opportunity and the patient experience that I had witnessed firsthand with loved ones who had been through these conditions. And I saw that it had an impact on their physical health, their mental health uh, and their emotional well-being. So I knew that this was a, a big problem that um, that I knew that we could positively impact. So was the um, the was the kind of the sequence that you knew people that had these digestive issues, you've helped them, then you then you discovered, hey, well, that's actually a big industry. Or was it that you had that happening on one side, you're looking at opportunities on the other, and you realized, hey, there's actually a crossover of, of these, like, where was the realization from? Because it's not the most obvious, even though, you know, now we, we laid out the statistics, but it's like, not the first thing that comes to people's mind, typically. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good question. It was definitely the crossover. Um, so the, the previous organization that I had joined, uh, uh, the, the founder had, had seen, hey, this is a massive problem by the numbers perspective. Um, uh, and, and then for me, uh, I knew that this was an area that I was really interested in, wanted to focus on. Uh, and so it was kind of a, a really, really solid match, uh, from a timing perspective. Uh, and then, uh, during the evolution of, of that organization, uh, which, which brought me to founding the new Vivante in 2021, uh, and bu buying out the remaining assets of the previous company. Uh, I think the idea was, hey, there's something that we can do in, in a different way, new mission, new vision, new team, new product. Um, and that's really what we launched in 21 uh, with, the with our Series A and with the backing of some great investors. Um, and that's really where we got uh, hyper-focused and were able to really grow this organization, impact the lives of a lot of people across the country, which was really exciting. Gut health is pretty broad in terms of the types of conditions. And some of them range from just like a, a mild occasional annoyance to really life-changing or even life-ending. And uh, I know it's often an issue for those with the most serious conditions to actually get it diagnosed properly um, at the beginning. And I'm wondering, you know, how you think about the range of conditions that you deal with or, or how to think about that landscape in general for gut health. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And, and um, Dave, you also mentioned kind of the fact that not everyone knows how big of a problem this is in terms of scope. And I think part of that is historically when uh, large organizations or health plans were, were looking through their claim sets, um, they had CPT subgroupers for different condition sets. And digestive health covers a really broad category, just like you said. So those costs would be broken up into different sub-buckets. And so they were never aggregated together where people would say, hey, this is really flashing red and is a really, really big spend. Now that's changing and people are understanding like, boy, there's this big grouping of digestive conditions and it does make up a really big outsized portion of our spend. And so that includes things like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, GERD. Uh, but it's also a lot of claims that are driven from people that might be symptomatic, but not yet diagnosed. 
And so um, that's a really key part of the solution that we've built because we do take an all-comers approach. Uh, we work with organizations and sometimes they say, hey, are we going to work with those that are diagnosed? And yes, we absolutely will. But we also have this big patient population that are suffering in silence, that are in pain. They have all these uh, these symptoms, but they aren't able to get a diagnosis for one reason or another. Sometimes it's access issues. Sometimes it's difficult to go in and, and talk about some of the things that are happening. Uh, sometimes it's they've seen a number of doctors and don't have a formal diagnosis. Uh, and so we see... Um, kind of the, the full spectrum of uh, individuals who are symptomatic, but, but haven't been to a doctor in a couple of years, all the way to people who have been diagnosed, have been taking a medication and working with a provider for years, but are looking to optimize their care in between visits. And so that's important to us to be able to serve up a solution to everyone um, that ranges from their condition and from their symptoms. So I have this intuition, and maybe you can help me to validate it or not, that Gut health is a sort of thing that's particularly well-suited for digital. I'm getting the sense because there's sometimes vague symptoms over different time periods. It's hard to talk about. It's a variety of things. Is that the case? Is it a good good one for digital or is it just uh, average? I think it is um, one of the biggest opportunities in terms of, of digital. And, and it's for a couple of the reasons that you just mentioned. You know, it is this this massive population that are that range in terms of the impact that these conditions and or symptoms are having. Uh, and then the other piece is when you look at the, the patient journey, when you think about people who suffer from these conditions, and I've talked about sometimes there's access issues. Sometimes they don't really want to talk about what's going on in the bathroom. So they, they feel isolated, isolated, they feel alone. Um, the other thing is that with a lot of these conditions, sometimes it's a diagnosis by elimination. So lots of doctor visits to figure out what's going on. And, and so the, that last piece is, is really a, a data problem in many cases. And so uh, from a digital intervention, you can provide people immediate access. You can provide them the comfort and the confidentiality of having a remote care team that can be uh, open and, and, uh, and be there for them at any point in time. And then you can also aggregate data and look at patterns and start to understand and eventually predict the onset and progression of these conditions. And so I think that for us, we look at this as a huge opportunity in terms of a digital health intervention. And, and what I'll tell you is we're, we're seeing that in, within the care ecosystem. We're seeing uh, the providers because what we say is we wanna be additive to the care ecosystem. We wanna work with brick and mortar providers because they do incredible work. And what we wanna do is optimize that triage process, help give people immediate care, identify people that are at high risk and say, hey, you know, you really need to be going into the brick and mortar. You need some specific types of testing uh, that can only be uh, supplied within a brick and mortar setting. So we think that there's just this massive opportunity. So in terms of when I think about conditions that can, uh, th that can really benefit from a digital intervention, I think digestive health is one of the top, if not the top. Got it. So uh, you partly started to answer my, my next question already. Um, you know, clearly with a venture-backed company, you're usually trying to scale technology uh, pretty fast. And at the same time, I think what we've learned in digital health is that, you know, you, you can't completely do a technology. You need to bring in some coaches or care team or whatever. Uh, you just mentioned maybe this is your, your key as you're working with physician practices. But um, since maybe you also have some care teams, and I'm wondering how do you combine the care teams and technology and get the kind of the impact that you want, but also have that scalability. Yeah, uh, one hundred percent in terms of figuring out that ba balance of of, of uh, technology uh, and then the people, uh, the human led approach. 
And so for us at Vivante, uh, when I think about scalable technology, something that, uh, that we've built that I think is a big differentiator for us is, is largely about the intake. And so it's a, a very simple intake process. Um, we use the data that's provided by the member. Uh, we can also use third party data as well but it continues to create an evolving picture for us. It's not a one-time thing. We're always learning about the member as we're working with them. Um, and we talked about how there's all these different conditions uh, within this, this kind of umbrella of digestive health. So imagine somebody coming into us saying, hey, I've been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I'm taking a specific medication. I'm working with a GI doc, uh, but I'm having these symptoms. Uh, and so I'm looking for support in between visits. That person, of course, needs something completely different than someone who comes in and says, hey, I haven't seen a doctor in 12 months, and by the way, I've been having abdominal pain and chronic gas and bloating, and I'm not sure what's going on. And so for that reason, what we've developed is a platform that's dynamic based upon the needs of each member. So once we take that intake, we build an evidence-based clinical pathway based upon how they're presenting, what condition, what symptom, and what needs do they have out of the solution. So. That's really the technology aspect and where we can really scale in terms of optimizing the triage. Um, but we're a human-led uh, solution. You know, we know that uh, human uh, contact and care needs to be delivered by people. Uh, and so for us, uh, we're leveraging our team of registered dietitians and health coaches. And we have just announced that now we're offering full stack virtual care, which means we've also got gastroenterologists and internal medicine specialists who are providing that care as well. And so for us, it's leveraging the technology where we can for pattern recognition and for quick intakes, but our care is always going to be delivered by, by, by a human team. Got it. So you mentioned a lot about uh, data. Um, we haven't spoken so far about uh, artificial intelligence, and that's become a big topic in the last few years and, and even particularly this year. And I'm wondering how you have incorporated AI so far and what is the potential uh, of AI in your space? Yeah, I think, I think there's great potential uh, for AI in, in digital health and we're utilizing it today um, and, I'll, and we are very specific in how we're utilizing it because I think that's really important. Um, for us, when we think about uh, AI, we're thinking about pattern recognition, we're thinking about diagnostic labeling, we're thinking about how do we get information into the hands of our care team so that they can make informed clinical decisions. Um, and so it's almost think of it as like the back office work where we're able to lighten the load, process that information more quickly and group it in a way that shows up uh, and is easy for our care team members to see, recognize, and then evaluate. But it's our care team who are ultimately making those clinical decisions and who are uh, designing the care model. Uh, and I think that's really important because I think uh, there's a great opportunity here, but it needs to be done in a very responsible way that keeps patient safety and data security at the forefront. And that's something that we talk about uh, every day is first and foremost, we focus on the care of our members. So it's optimizing care, uh, it's um, improving symptoms, it's uh, making sure that they have the absolute best clinical care. And then second, it's keeping uh, a very, uh, high level of focus on data security. And so for us, we're, we're high trust certified, we're SOC 2 certified, which is pretty rare for a company at our stage, but we take that data security very seriously. So I think huge opportunity um, with the use of AI. I think for us, what we think about it is more kind of that back office work that we can help automate. Um, and that provides us the opportunity to give our care team members all the information they need to make clinical decisions. Great. Well, you know, that high trust certification in particular is, uh, is, is challenging to, uh, 
uh, to attain and to maintain, but also a real uh, stamp of approval you know, for when you're working with, with different partners and, and it should make the patients uh, comfortable um, as well. I know that you know, there's, it, it's difficult actually for patients to assess who's secure and, and who isn't, uh, but it's coming increasingly to the extent that they can, it will be a deciding factor of whether they want to um, engage with you. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Now, I mentioned upfront about how you, know, you must be doing something right because you just raised a sizable Series B. Now, you know, $31 million isn't what it used to be uh, with inflation. And nonetheless, um, that is a sizable amount. And uh, right now is a difficult time in general. Um, you know, there's not that many Series Bs being announced and of that, of that size. So what is it? You know, how did you get yourself into that, uh, into that spot? And kind of what are you, you know, what are you doing with this next tranche of funds? Yeah, yeah, we are uh, really excited. You know, we have incredible partners. Um, you know, our round was led by Mercado Partners um, uh, and also New Capital from Health Catalyst Capital uh, with a lot of our existing um, investors uh, who also participated, uh, who have been phenomenal partners to us along the way. And so uh, for us, we were really fortunate. We were oversubscribed from the round. We had a competitive bid process. Uh, and I think um, for us, that was driven by the recognition that this is a massive market. Um, we've got incredible market uh, product market fit um, because we are uh, working well within the ecosystem. So the providers are supportive, the health plans are supportive, uh, and our members absolutely love the solution that we're bringing to them. We have proven outcomes at scale. So we're showing those reductions in symptoms. We're showing hard cost savings. We're showing reduction in emergency room visits, reduction in duplicative doctor visits, improvement in things like medication adherence. Uh, so it's all of the, it's a combination of all those things coming together. Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, the last two things that have really uh, set us apart is uh, the focus on innovation in terms of how we're using our technology as a scalable solution. And then our partnerships on the distribution channel. Uh, we have, um, we're working with a, a number of health plans, uh, some that have been yet to be announced um, that have, uh, that we're entering into national partnerships with where they've really evaluated the solution, evaluated our outcomes and said, boy, we really want to bring this national to, to our members, um, which is really exciting. And I think a, a really uh, strong vote of confidence in terms of what we're doing. And so you, you kind of preempted me here, but um, you know, are the customers, are your customers health plans, self-insured employers? Who, who's the, who pays the bills? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for us, it's, um, it is a, a business to business to consumer model. So we're selling to large self-funded employers and to health plans. Um, and so we've got, great partners from a self-insured employer standpoint. Um, you know, we've got great benefit leaders who have seen the need uh, and implemented us across their employee populations, um, which is really exciting. And then uh, for the health plan work, as I mentioned, that's a big, great uh, partnership and distribution opportunity for us. And again, just another kind of vote of confidence of them saying, hey, we're going to take a deep look at this from a clinical standpoint, from an analytic standpoint, from a data security standpoint. Uh, and, and we're really seeing a lot of success there, which is exciting. So gut health is certainly a big issue uh, for for employers, as we as we talked about up front. But it's not the only one. You know, you hear about I did a uh, podcast the other day, which said you know oncology is the number one concern, and then there's you know opioids, and there's uh, orthopedics, are you know, musculoskeletal are all are all big. And not to say that they they aren't. There's you know there's I, I, I lose track. I, I used to think there were two trillion in spending and three trillion, maybe four, maybe five if I didn't look. But you know, there's trillions of dollars, so there's plenty of room for hundred, you know, multi hundred billion dollar markets in there. But 
from an employer standpoint, do they do they want to have things that are multiple solutions? Just to even take, you know, they're obviously very different, but like oncology, musculoskeletal, uh, gut health, or do you do you ultimately need a vision where you're going beyond one and being sort of like the overall uh, the overall approach? Yeah, I think um, I, so. For us, when we think about digestive health, I think what's interesting is like you look at a lot of the solutions, and I always talk about kind of like the hub and spoke model. And you see uh, a lot of organizations that are focusing on a specific area, and then they're thinking about how do I get into another another aspect of healthcare. I think what's unique about digestive health is that it is at the center of everything that we do. It's highly correlated with a whole host of other conditions, including things like type two diabetes, things like mental health, uh, things like cancer, uh, even MSK claims with inflammation in the joints. Uh, so when you think about um, digestive health, it's so highly correlated and at the center of everything we do. Um, so I think we are having positive impact in other areas as well. That always provides us the opportunity to move into those those areas, but it's not part of our, our plan today. Today we are uh, extremely focused on um, on helping people with their digestive symptoms and conditions. Um, and then we're also working with third parties and, and aggregators like Accolade and Virgin Pulse uh, to make sure that we're fitting into that existing ecosystem. Um, and then the same with our health plan relationships, you know, that is, uh, we're looking to integrate into their offerings so that we can really be part of the solution and not just, uh, an add on for a specific set of conditions. Got it. Now we talked a lot about, you know, how you're bolstering your, your infrastructure, your partnerships, product, and, and so on. When you're growing the company at this uh, rate, you're also going to be building your your leadership team as well. And what has that experience been like? And what have you brought from you know your prior experience, you know, particularly at Humana, in terms of scaling up and, and having a you know larger leadership group? Yeah, I, so I'm I'm really fortunate. We've got an incredible leadership team, um, and that's you know just across the board uh, from from our our, our C-suite uh, and across the organization. I think at Vivante, one of the things that we've done really really well is a focus on hiring. Um, and a focus on uh, development coaching for our team members. And, um, and so, I'm, I'm, again, I'm just uh, really fortunate that the team that we have is absolutely incredible. They're innovative. Um, they're also highly structured, and they're always putting their members first. So they're always thinking about how can we improve the experience for the member that we're serving. Uh, I would say, you know, from a scaling perspective, I learned a lot at Indiana in terms of how to learn, how to build and, and maintain large organizations. And so that training early on has really helped me uh, to think about uh, personnel development and to put in process that I think a lot of early stage companies maybe don't think as much about. And so when you implement um, a process early on, you build that muscle. And so I think for us, what's great is a lot of times when uh, people come into the organization, we've heard a lot of our employees and team members say, wow, you guys, you guys feel like a, a much larger organization just in terms of the educational content and how you uh, bring somebody into, into the organization. So that, that's really important to us. Um, and I think that uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've got a lot of growing to do yet, uh, but, but the growth has been really effective and it, it's all about the people that we bring on. Great. So the last question is about uh, any books that you might uh, have been reading lately, anything that you recommend or I always say anything you recommend to avoid. Um, that's a good, good question. So uh, I have uh, a, a, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. So a lot of my books uh, these days are, um, are reading books at night. Uh, and so that, that, that's the gamut. Yeah. The fun, fa the fun fact that I'll share is what I've been, you asked about AI, I've been uh, utilizing chat GPT. 
to create bedtime stories for my kids. So that's something I highly recommend for any parents is to leverage the ChatGPT to build a story for your kids because it's pretty incredible. Uh, and then, uh, and then in terms of uh, of but, but the last last book I read, I I, kind of, I tend to switch between business focused books and pleasure books. So the last one was a pleasure book, and it was uh, the book uh, Band of Brothers, uh, which they also made a HBO series about. Um, but it uh, but it follows um, uh, incredible group of uh, of young men during World War II. Uh, so I highly recommend that, um, and none that I can think of to avoid. Uh, yeah, that's okay I mean, too. I don't want to piss off any authors, you know. It's rarely do people take me up on that one, although from time to time they'll say, I started this one and it was a stinker. So uh, those, are, those are good. Well, Bill Snyder, CEO of Vivante Health, thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, David. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.